Okay, so this is part three, my conversation with Kenny Embry at a conference uh, hosted by the Excellence in Leadership Institute. And uh, Kenny is going to start to answer our questions about leadership and communication now. You are listening to The Leadersmith, Darren Gertis. With my podcast, I had no idea that anybody would be interested in parenting. I, honestly, my, my, I, my avatar for my podcast is my 17-year-old son. And I was, I was thinking that the guy who was going to be talking to me would be talking about it from a teenage perspective. Fits my avatar perfectly. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Explain avatar because I'm not sure, sure that everybody understands what that is. I, I track with you, but um, this is a, a, a very specialized marketing term. Yeah. Uh, in my podcast, Balancing the Christian Life, I, I, I basically explore certain certain topics in Christianity. And the person that I'm really talking to is my 17-year-old son, Jake. Although, to, to be fair, he has not listened to any of my podcasts, including the ones he's been on. So, I mean, <laughs> but, but that said, <laughs> but that said, the beauty of having an avatar, it means I can answer the question really quickly. Do I need to explain this or do I not need to explain this? Yeah. If my, if my son, Jake, understands it, then I don't need to explain it. If he doesn't, then I do. And it also helps me pick what language I'm using. It, ha- it helps me uh, figure out what, what concepts I probably ought to be tackling. I'll, but, but again, I wanted to take this, t- uh, this idea of teenage Christianity from a teenage perspective. The guy that I was talking to, Phil Robertson, he, he's, he's a camp counselor. He, he runs a, a Christian camp. And, and, and he was much more, he said, and I was so... The, the thing that I wanted to come after him while it was, was what's wrong with these teens today? And, and he was, well, let me tell you what's wrong with these teens. It's their parents. We have, we have nobody who's, who's willing to raise their children. And, and I was just like, Oh, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I guess, guess this is the way we're going. So anyway, um, I apologize for going on that rabbit. No, that's, that good. Rabbit hole. that's good because that avatar thing is something that everybody needs to be thinking about regardless of where they are yeah. in business. So let's say you are selling um, your product. Uh, so I'm looking at somebody here. I'm thinking they're, they're selling um, career solutions. They're going to be trying to help them get a new job or work on yeah. their resume. They got to know about the kind of person that they're they have in mind a picture of the kind of person that, that would want those solutions. It's not granny and it's not my five-year-old, right? You've got to understand, Hey, they're probably about 30. They're underemployed. They have you, right. Um, it could be male or female. That's okay. But as long as you understand who your target is, now you can speak to them effectively where if it's, if it's just everybody, if your target is everyone, it's no one. Right. That's exactly right. And and one of the things, again, I I love that I've, I've chosen Jake because I don't have to define those characteristics. Jake's defined those characteristics for me. Um, and, and I don't have to second guess um, because I, I would fill in blanks. I would have the material and I'd say, okay, that fits because uh, you know my avatar is somebody I can just make up. No, Jake is not. <laughs> I know what Jake's interested in what he's not interested in. So mm-hmm. that, <laughs> yeah, if you're a target, yeah, if you're targeting everyone, you're targeting no one. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, tell me about uh, persuasion strategies. How do you, what, what are your, like, if you give me the three or five best tips for persuading an audience? Well, one of, one of the most powerful ones is both use emotions and logic that, that phrase that pays, I, I would absolutely talk about that all, all, all day long. But another thing is if you're asking for something controversial, start with a bigger ask first. Okay. People don't like saying no. 
So when they are, okay, Darren, I, w- will you give me $1,000 to, to help my podcast? Um, how about I help you? I, I want to help you, man. Uh, I don't know that I have $1,000, but how can, how can I help you? I want to do- Bingo, s- bingo. Would you be a guest for the next three episodes? Sure. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And and you'll if I would have started with Darren, could you be a guest on the next three episodes? I don't know that he would have said yes. Well, you might have. <laughs> I I don't know that he would have said yes because that's for that's, you that's anything. Somewhat... <laughs> sure. I've already done one, right? I know you have it. It, it went over very well. Um, if you if you have and, and you know kids figured this out a long time ago. Uh, if you if the second thing that you ask for is actually the thing you want. So ask for the big thing first, and then ask for the for the smaller thing, which sounds more reasonable because you just framed it that way. My five year old uh, did that to me last week about dessert. <laughs> that makes sense. That's yeah. it in a personal context. The other thing that that stories narratives persuade better than just about anything else. Yeah. So I mean, um, so for example, the 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 immigration debate that is a great debate when you have an immigration story to tell. Okay. And, and and that that I mean, or or the the feed the hungry children. Those commercials work when they show starving children. Yeah, and and they tell the story of not all of them, just one or two of them. And by the way, one of the things that happens with all of us is we would much rather make a lot of difference with one person than yeah. a very little difference with a lot of. I, I was just about to ask you to talk about. You don't talk about the big statistics. You talk no. about you know Emma who's starving because she doesn't have whatever, and it's just that one personal account so Emotions, you zoom in that's exactly right you get them <laughs> wait for it emotionally involved in one story mm-hmm. and then tell them this story is basically represented above yeah and and now and now you, you might not be helping emma but you're helping somebody who has a very similar story to emma gotcha and and that that is extremely persuasive okay. and by the way if you want to kind of seal the deal now give me the statistics behind starvation in those countries yeah now you've got the emotions locked in and you've got the logic locked in oh that's got, yeah, it's, it's good when you've got both of those locked in you've got a much better chance at getting an action if you just involve them emotionally ah you know what that commercial was made several years ago emma's fine we don't we, we, there's no logic there there's nothing anchoring me to to the narrative does it make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking there's so much overlap between what I explained to my students in class when we're just talking about leadership and what you were just talking about here. And yeah. now I know the topic was kind of leadership is she. So maybe you, <laughs> like, you, you massage it a little bit, but there's so yeah. much. Why, why is it that leadership is so often linked with excellent communication skills? What's going on there? Well, because people, <laughs> people who can form coherent ideas Jordan Peterson is what he wrote 12 rules for life and he's one of my favorite authors. And and one of the things that he says is there's no difference between being able to put together either a, a good thing that you're writing or a good thing that you that you're talking about and and thinking well. Yeah. So the, there's no difference between thinking and speaking, I'm sorry, between speaking or writing and thinking well. Yeah, yeah, and I see this with my students that can't co- uh, create a coherent paper, and then they hand in this stuff, and I'm like, "Yeah, you, you couldn't explain no. this to me either." Right, and I, I've seen it. Yeah, exactly right. And, and by the way, the the other thing that and this is a corollary. It's 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 related, 
if you can't, and this is one of the things and this frustrates my students to no end. If you can't put this in a simple declarative sentence that, that an 11th grader could understand, you don't understand it either. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be able to say something simply. Uh, the shorter you can make it, and by the way, writing and speaking short is hard. Yeah, it is. Writing and speaking long is easy. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do it. You know, when I taught a business comms class, I was saddled with one. I, it's not, it wasn't something <laughs> I wanted to do, but I actually banned the word and. <laughs> I did. Good idea. And then they had to write in these shorter sentences and it was so much improved because yeah. they had, yeah. You know, Cecile Garman, it's at Western Kentucky University where I got my master's degree. Uh, she was wonderful, wonderful teacher. And one of the things she did in, in one of my grad classes, every time you used some version of the verb to be, she would take off a point. You could not say something was something or is something. You had to say oh, that so- someone yeah, wrote something. It strengthens it then, right? Yeah. Basically, she was making her case for active writing. She said, people do things. People aren't things. People do things. And, th- and th- that made a really, really powerful impression for me. Well, I am so glad that you came. And- <laughs> <laughs> tell, us, uh, tell us about your podcast a little bit. Uh, if anybody wants to uh, follow up and hear more of you and what you have to say, just uh, tell us about balancing the Christian life. <laughs> I'll be happy. I mean, I, it, it's, a, it's a faith-based podcast. Uh, I, I talk to the beauty of podcasting. I love, love podcasting. That, that guy right in the middle there is Phil Robertson. He's, he's the guy that did my parenting episode. Um, I get to talk to people, by the way, I, I'm a big advocate of podcasting. I think it, it is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful platform. Um, and that's my dad right there. It's faith-based. I get to have the kind of conversations that, that I want to have about the topics I want to have about them. Um, it basically, and there's, there, there, um, I, and I, I call it uh, uh, practical Christianity and, and digital discipleship. And that little girl holding out the, the bills is, is my daughter. Uh, that was an audio essay where I talked about uh, the power of doing something, that, that idea of ready, fire, aim. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, it's that idea that, that uh, uh, I, again, each one of these episodes are my babies, so I know, I know what all of them are. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's faith-based. It's, it talk, looks at practical Christianity. And, and and what I call digital discipleship, which which is basically a tie into my dissertation, which was uh, how do people create, form, maintain, and ultimately end relationships online, and, and how that is different than face to face. So, if we were actually on my podcast instead of in this training, I would end with yeah. a quotation for contemplation. And since I haven't prepared that, I'm going to give you one right off the top of my head <laughs> by Abraham Lincoln, who said. No. <laughs> you know, that, no, I, I'm pretty sure he said it somewhere. I was about is, to is say that with a K. I can't <laughs> prove it. I can't prove it yet, but I can find it somewhere. He said I, no at some point. I have quoted him many times then. So <laughs> I've quoted him to my children many, many times. Well, Kenny, so. hey, Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, uh, can can you stick around just for a little bit and answer a few questions if anybody has? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just unmute and ask uh, Kenny your question. Fire away. Kenny, just a quick question, if I may. Yeah, sure. Um, Clearly, we 
things have changed a lot with COVID and, and, and people not being able to get together and, yeah. and uh, meet. And we're making better and better use of Zoom and other um, electronic means of communication where we can actually see each other and interact. Yeah. But a great deal of our communication is very small bits of text, you know, text messages, Twitter, emails, and so on. Yeah. And we also know that so much of communication is actually nonverbal. Yes. And it doesn't come down to the words. Do you have any insights or advice on how to try to reduce the amount of misunderstanding <laughs> um, through that means of communication? You're dealing with something, online communication is largely um, interest-based. In, in other words, we talk about virtual community online, but the, but the thing about virtual community is it's a bunch of other people that like Pink Floyd. And once they're, they're stopped being interested in Pink Floyd, they get out just as qu quickly as they got in. So it's that interest-based, and, 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 and it's not geographically based. So anytime anything becomes really uncomfortable, they leave. And, and it's that, that loss of, of context that we really do sacrifice context in the online in online communication and what you're talking about there david is is something that that we know uh nick carr uh, nicholas carr wrote wrote an article oh i guess back in 96 where, where the, the title of the article was uh is google making us stupid and and the argument that he makes is um we have been trained by we, we have reread far more than we ever have than any generation has but it's in a staccato style of reading it is one line at a time. It is a paragraph at a time. And you know, the, the thing about it is both Darren and I have been in academia long enough where we remember it when a 30-page article was pretty reasonable. But now a 10-page article is just insufferable to my students. And, and they, are, they, are, they, they, they think they're going to die. Uh, the, the thing about it is, is you, have to, you have to build context artificially. And, and one of the things that you're going to have to do is I would say – as much as you can, David, have, be, be a face-to-face -face contact so they are able to start figuring out what you mean by your text message. When my wife and I first started dating, uh, I was the first person who had ever sent her a text message. And I sent her a sarcastic test, text message like when we were, when we were a, a week into dating. And she thought I was angry at her. She didn't know me well enough. She didn't know, she didn't understand the relationship well enough. And, and David, we are not in a good situation to understand context very well. I would still say you need to, as much as you can, have face-to-face -face until they understand, they, they understand David. Then when they understand and can hear your voice, then they'll start figuring out what you mean by that. Can you do that virtually, though? I mean, so if... if it's hard, but... So uh, if you and I were to meet only virtually for a period of time, we could still build that. We would just have to get used to each other for yes. some period of time before I could make my sarcastic comments that, you know, <laughs> the, the thing about it is, is the, the major theorists on this, and this was, this was a, a major part of my dissertation. And if y'all need to go to sleep, that's fine. Um, the Joe, Joseph Walther um, is, is, is the, the guy who came up with, uh, a, a seminal article in this is called Impersonal, Interpersonal, uh, Hyperpersonal Relationships in Online Contexts. And one of the things that, if any of you are familiar with the MTV show Catfish, um, it's that idea that, that there are some relationships 
that get really, really intimate, really, really fast. And, and what he, what he makes the argument is, is you end up like all relationships, you, you present your best self to somebody else and they miss a lot of that nonverbal channel, like you're talking about, David. And so what they're, what they're, if I could see you eye to eye, I would know if you were lying, but I can't. And so I want you to be honest. And so there, I, therefore, I'm going to attribute honesty to you. And that what that does very quickly is it starts what he calls an intensification loop. And everything that I want to be true, I, in my head, make true. Yeah. And so now this becomes a really, really close friendship. His argument for impersonal, I am impersonal relationships, is that that's the vast majority of relationships you have online. By the way, I would, I would count the guy who, who fills your Amazon orders ha- having a relationship with you. Do you know him really? No. But, but I mean, he's doing something for you. And then the interpersonal, and that's where he, he talks about sips, um, that, that you have to basically sip through a relationship, not zip, but sip through a relationship and start picking up on the nuances of what they mean. And that's where you start figuring out if it's online only, are they sarcastic or are they serious? And that takes longer online, the hyperpersonal relationships. And by the way, I don't think that hyperpersonal relationships are fake relationships. I think in some cases that elevated sense of intimacy is accurate. I uh, find that hyperpersonal. Hyperpersonal. It's it's where there's there's it's 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 an online relationship that is often missing that that uh, nonverbal channel. And, and what, what they do is again, you put out, you, you put your best foot forward. And, and so you, you're not, you're not saying I'm, I'm a slob. Um, and, and, and they, and they're not seeing that you're a slob either. So they start filling in the parts of it that they want to be true. And they're giving you that attribution. Okay. Darren's obviously not a slob because he hasn't offered that. So I, I I'm, I'm going to just assume that he's not one. And, Okay, Darren's not a slob, and I need him to be somebody who's very sympathetic, so therefore he is sympathetic. So this is like the stuff that um, infatuation's made of. It is, but you know, one of the other things that I would say is, and, and this is one of the things that I talk about sometimes in, in, in this digital discipleship, so many of the relationships that we have are ra- relationships where a deep level of intimacy is not needed. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite professors died of pancreatic cancer probably a dozen years ago. And one of the things that I heard through the grapevine was that he had an online support group of other people who had pancreatic cancer. Were they friends or were they not? Because they never met in the same room. My argument would be absolutely they're friends. Why? They helped through each. They helped each other yeah. through a really hard part of their lives. Yeah. And was everything accurate in that? <laughs> Is everything accurate in my my wife's my relationship? Probably not. It is not through any fault of either uh, either one of us. We're trying our best in these online relationships. Sometimes if your ultimate goal is to, is to meet somebody, get married, and, and you're wanting to do all of that online, I'd say there's some problems because at some point you're going to have to figure out how to make cyber babies. But um, the, the, if, if you're not interested in that, and, and by the way, that's the vast majority of relationships that you have. If that's not the ultimate goal, then probably most of the things that you can do online are good enough. So anyway, is that does that answer okay. your question? Other questions? Uh, they're scared now. Yeah. They're just soaking it all in. Um, thank <laughs> you. They're such wonderful information. 
Um, my question is, um, do, in addition to your podcast, do you have any other resources or books, things that you recommend um, to help improve like more effective communication? Well, it depends. I'm my my passion is is online communication. So if you're interested in online communication, I can absolutely talk about that. Uh, and by the way, the, the the one of the books that I would recommend uh, uh, with online communication it's it's a book. Um, oh my goodness, I, I can't. It, if you wouldn't have asked me this, I would have told you it immediately. And and while I'm talking about him, his name is Howard Rheingold. <laughs> and Howard Rheingold, let's see here. Howard Rheingold wrote wrote a, a couple really important books, and I'm I'm looking up Wikipedia right now. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Okay, it's it's NetSmart, NetSmart, um, and basically what he what he what he talks about in that is is the 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 literacies that you really need to develop in order to thrive in online communication. Now that's not what he's talking. That's not how he's framing it, but it's one of the very best books that talks about uh, what is basically an attention economy. Um, his argument within that book is one of the most important things you have is your attention. And if you can get yeah. people's attention, you got their time. If yeah. you can't, you got nothing. Yeah, so I mean, uh, Gary V. He, he he says he's arbitraging on attention. That's what yes. that, everything he's doing, right? Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I think Howard Rheingold's book uh, is is probably one of the best at online communication. If you're interested in persuasion, uh, Robert Cialdini, C I A L D I N I. Robert Cialdini has probably one of the very best. Uh, series. It, it, it's uh, uh, The Power of Influence. Uh, it's fabulous, fabulous book. Influence, science, and practice we use in class. So, uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's great stuff. Yeah. Robert Cialdini is quite possible. He's from either Arizona State or University of Arizona. Yeah. I can't remember. Er yeah. I, I, now, I, now I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the very best. If you're looking at how to basically form relationships and things like Wait that. There you go. There you go. That's it. Um, Arizona State. Arizona State. Um, so, I mean, Robert Chalini is really good on, on persuasion. Uh, I re wrote a book on persuasion from a, from a biblical point of view. Um, but uh, another really, if you're looking for interpersonal relationships, you'd be hard-pressed uh, to get anything better than, quite, quite honestly, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is, which is a business book. But, but, but really, it, it talks all about the underlying current of, of 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 Stephen Covey's material, which in my opinion comes to to, to the apex in that in that Seven Habits book, is is uh, uh, basically how do you get along with people, and and I, I think he probably articulates that better than almost anybody else I know. Mm -hmm. Those are great. yeah. I'm actually reading that one right now. Um, I have another question sure. if I can. There you go. Uh, I've got answers. One more question. So go I've ahead. Well, I don't, I don't want to take anyone else's, I don't want to be a question hog. So if someone else has a question. No, go for it. Go no. for it. Go ahead. I'm giving you permission. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so in this current climate that we're in, there's a lot of like suppression of free speech, a lot of yes. political correctness. Yeah. Um, what is the best advice that you have on how to communicate in a way that reaches people without being offensive or too careful, but still being honest and authentic? Great. Yeah. No, I I, th I think that's great. Think about it this way. What would you say? Uh, 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 Brittany, are you married? I am. Yes. Okay. How would you approach your husband or wife or whatever? How would you approach your spouse? 
I don't really think about it. I don't know. We have a very, so before we ever got married, he's uh, in the military and he deployed. So our only form of communication was to talk. That was our only uh, time together. So we really hound or like drilled down on how we communicate with one another Mm -hmm. and how to communicate effectively. So we're just really open and honest. So I communicate with him differently probably than I do with does he feel does he feel threatened when you ask him hard questions? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. How did you get there? By asking hard questions. No, let, <laughs> let, let me go ahead and put some words in your mouth because I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying I'm a, I'm a professor. I, I try to take my students there. You loved him. You loved him first. You were somebody that said, you know, this is a safe place to have disagreement. This is a safe place to, to ask questions. This is a safe place to not know answers. And and I, one of the things that, that Darren and I have talked about this as well. One of the things that I tell anybody who's who's getting into education, as soon as you can, fall in love in a non-creepy way with your students. Yeah. Once you fall in love with your students, they will give you permission to start asking hard questions and coming up with things that are controversial, quite, quite honestly. Because I, I, one of the things, and I was talking to this with my students the other day, like, like the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement was extremely powerful, and it, and it got some really big scumbags out of there. But there were some people that amazingly lied. And, and, and there was a backlash against the Me Too movement as well. And my, my question to my students was, okay, how do you moderate for this effect? Because I think the, the, the initial impulse was absolutely 100% correct. But do you all see how, how this could be abused as well? Yeah. And, and that's a question you cannot ask people who do not love you. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Because once they think, oh, Dr. Embry, he hates women. <laughs> I've just lost. I've just lost. Yeah, and I want to add to uh, what you just said. The you know, uh, I was talking to this is the godfather of my children, right? He was a teacher across the hall from where I was teaching uh, twenty years ago. He uh, he taught me, and I, I credited him with the greatest leadership lesson I ever learned as a teacher, and that is this. He told me one time, "You're not teaching subjects; you're teaching students." You're teaching yeah. people, and it it changed my mindset radically. From I'm trying to impart this information to I'm trying to help you. You, you're the person. I right. Yeah. So it changed me from from that to this to you, and nothing nothing's been the same ever since. I I work. I, I go to the Church of Christ, and I work at a Catholic institution. I don't agree with the theology of anybody I work with, and that has been such a blessing to me. Because it, it means that I start off from a place of disagreement, and I have to figure out how to civilly disagree with everybody I work with. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is a gift. Um, and, and one of the things that I've, I've learned through, through hard, hard uh, experience, the beginning of is disagreement. When everybody agrees on everything, nobody learns anything. And so I, I, I make that, as much as I can, I make that a foundation of my course. Say that again, the beginning of what? The beginning of knowledge is, is disagreement. If, if, if you, I, <laughs> I love my students. I truly love my students, and I don't agree with any of them on everything. Um, 
And it's those points of disagreement. I mean, I, I was having a, a disagreement. I'm pro-life, you know, as you might expect, I'm pro-life. Uh, and there was a girl that, 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 that I was arguing with, and, and arguing is not the right word. She was pro-choice. And I said, you know what? Good. Do you know why? And I said, if you do, I'm fine with that. If you don't, that's where we need to talk. But I've come to a different conclusion, and that's fine. And I'll be happy to talk about what, what our differences are, but that doesn't mean I don't like you, and that doesn't mean we can't get along. Yeah, I think that that's your what happens is we we think the position is the person or yeah. vice versa, and yeah. that then everything goes wrong. It's the I, I hate my sister, I hate my sister. Oh, I hate your sister too. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, that's where we are. Barb, yeah. Barb adds a question. Yeah, sure. I you know I I don't want to turn this into a a, a marital counseling session, but. Uh, two things I picked up just real quick when you, you said something about falling in love with your students, which mm -hmm. is not applicable for me. I'm dealing with, you know, a different audience, but yeah. would that same be applicable, you yeah. know, fall in love with the people who need information? Yeah. Yeah. Knowledge? If, once they see that you're on their side and that you don't have to come to, they don't have to come to your conclusions, then they'll go with you. Look, that, that, that girl who's who's interested in being pro-choice, God bless her. And, and and I'm not saying that ironically. God bless her. I hope I I hope she succeeds. And and they need to see in in the way that I treat them and 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 in the way that I engage with them. What we differ on doesn't change the relationship at all. Mm -hmm. That that the fundamental thing here is I really like you guys. You and by the way, and and here's the unspoken thing that that. And, and you like me too. You just don't know it. So, I mean, <laughs> so, I mean but, but I mean, go in with that assumption. When you go in with the opposite assumption, you guys don't like me. Show me what that looks like. Congress. Show me how that feels. Huh? Congress. <laughs> One of the things that I tell my students in public speaking is your audience will always reflect back to you what you give it. Mm -hmm. If you are nervous, guess what they'll be for you? They'll be nervous for you. If you are shy, they'll be shy for you. If if you are if you are arrogant, they will uh, they, they will ruffle at that. But if you are kind and warm and confident, they'll have confidence in you. They will think of you well. Your audience will always reflect back to you what you give it. Give it something good. So Kenny, uh, I'm gonna stop there. Thank sure. you for coming. Uh, I found a better quotation for contemplation. Okay, um, go for Eric. it. A professor is one who talks uh, in someone else's sleep. <laughs> I think you might have defied that here because everybody seemed to be paying attention. But uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, man. Hey, thanks, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you. I appreciate this, man. I hope this was helpful for you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. And, and I'm, I'm going to double that fee, man. <laughs> I said all the zeros that you want. You name <laughs> you want in payment, and we'll take care of that. I got you, man. I'll Just talk to you later, man. Period, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you later, man. See you. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to this. If you missed part one or part two, go back to the two previous episodes, and you'll hear all of what Kenny had to say. And uh, Kenny, thanks for sharing that with us. Hey, I hope that helps you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow.